Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast. I'm your host, Miss J, and I hope that you enjoy today's show. Let's dig in and do life together with Behavior Analysis. Welcome to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast. We thank you for taking your time out to listen. I don't take it lightly that you chose this podcast today. As always, please like, subscribe, and share. Today on our podcast, we have two very special guests. We have two Brown Behavior Girls. Make sure you check them out on Instagram. Do you guys have a Facebook page as well? Um, not no. yet. Not yet. Facebook is coming, but make sure you check them out on Instagram. Two Brown Behavior Girls. Please introduce yourselves. Um, I'm Nicole Mobley. And I'm Portia Campbell. And today we're going to talk about uh, community and parent involvement in ABA. Why is this important? Why do we need to emphasize the importance of this issue? And what can we do to help the community and parents become more involved? So ladies, why is this an an important issue? Um, I think it's important just for um, being a clinician, working with children with autism. Um, Sometimes you get a little frustrated um, when you see yourself putting in a lot of work. And um, sometimes the relationship between the clinician and the parent seems more Mm -hmm. one-sided. That you're putting in a lot of work and you only see the kid maybe three, four hours max per day. And majority of that time is spent at home. And as we all know, like repetition um, is beneficial. And the more we work on a lot of the goals that we work with our clients um, on, the more likely they are to succeed and um, meet the goals and the standards that we have in place. Right. So I know one thing that came up um, when I was in a supervision session with with someone, um, we were talking about pairing and pairing with the families before um, you started services because you have to have a vested interest. There has to be something that the parents can grab onto and say, okay, now I understand why you're telling me to ignore my child. Cause that's, that's a hard thing to do is to ignore your child. But mm-hmm. I know, I understand why I have an invested interest in, in ignoring my child the way you told me to, I have a vested interest or I have buy-in um, mm-hmm. to do some of the things that you're suggesting. So what do you think about the RBT, the BCBA pairing during that initial meeting, that initial contact? It's definitely, um, it's definitely important, and um, the background that I've come from with Portia as well, like, where um, I've, ha- I've been, I'm an RBT in Portia BCBA, so there was, a, like, a moment where when she had already developed a relationship with the parents, mm-hmm. and then I did the parent training, Portia would sit in, but Portia would be able to step out so that, that the parents started easing their way into being just me, them, and their child. So when she would meet with them, she would tell them something. And I just think that it, that, that relationship that I gained with her being in there, me meeting the parents, it made it easier to, to tell them to do something and they did it and they trust me. And then they saw it work and then they felt like, okay, 
I see it work with her. I'm watching it firsthand. I'm watching her. I trust her. I, you know, me and her talk outside of here when it's just like me, maybe me, Portia, and the parent or whatever. So I just think it is important to pair with the parents first and them to see it work. And that's probably what the biggest thing is. Like a lot of parents don't, Portia don't just throw her parents in there. She lets them watch us and then they ease their way into it. Right. And I think that helps them trust like, okay, if I see it, I've already got a good relationship with Portia. Portia uses terminology with the parents. She teaches them the terminology. So when they come in, it's just like, they just feel more comfortable. It's, I right. think it's always good to make parents feel comfortable because they don't know. They don't know what ABA entails or anything like that. So it is important to pair with them. Right. And I think it's important too to for parents to understand or to have that that realization that I can, you can be trusted with their child. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm just this professional person or I'm this, this person coming in to tell you what to do and tell you that you're a bad parent or to tell you that your parenting style isn't working. Mm -hmm. I actually have some type of vested interest in your child as well. I want to see them grow. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them to, you know, get these new skills that they don't have right now. So I think when you're doing the pairing, that having a parent understand I'm invested in your child as well makes mm-hmm. all the difference in the world as well. Portia, do you have anything about the pairing? <laughs> Cause I know I'll take over. Yes. No, I do. Um, so I think it's just like any other relationship. Like when you're starting out to date someone, you kind of want to get to know them. So I typically start like if it's my first time meeting a parent, um, it is caring. Basically right. it's just me telling a lot about myself um pretty much most of my career as a bcba i wasn't a mother um i have a 10 month old now so i do kind of know both sides more but i think in the beginning it was important for me to listen to their side as a mother um i got to learn a lot of things some even like maybe how they conceive their child, um, background with family. Um, I think it's important sometimes to listen to that. Sometimes I felt like I was almost like a um, a therapist, right. just allowing them to have that time to talk. Um, a lot of times I think with parents of children with autism, um, their stress levels can be a little higher. It's right. stressful just being a parent in general. That is very um, true. So they <laughs> they <laughs> may have um, you know, like higher stress levels. So sometimes that session is spent, you know, just allowing them to vent, um, to be empathetic towards them and developing a relationship that's professional, but allowing them to to see their side of things and what's pretty much going on in their home environment. Right. I had a parent one time tell me, she said that outside of her child, she didn't have any um, social interaction with Mm -hmm. anybody else that understood that when I have to take a break because my child is having a tantrum or there's some maladaptive behaviors Mm -hmm. going on, they didn't understand that, you know, you got to wait. Or if you hear my child screaming in the background, no, I'm not doing anything to hurt them. I'm not doing anything, you know, wrong. It's just, we're having a moment and they, they have heard or been told that a lot of people don't understand that. 
So when they have a BCBA come in that understands, one, what it's like to be a parent, even if you're a new parent, (laughs) one, what it's like to be a parent, and then to understand the nature of autism, it's, it's helpful because it gives them that outlet. And sometimes it does feel like you're playing a therapist because we're the only outlet that they may have that sometimes they, that gets it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I put that in quotes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And like you said about the buy-in. So a lot of times we spend that backing it up with um, like Nicole said, if it's her repeating something that I said, they're hearing it from another source mm-hmm. or if it's us providing like resources as far as like research that we find. Um, sometimes it's pamphlets, but sometimes it takes like multiple different ways of us putting out this knowledge for them to kind of buy into right. what we're saying to understand that the tantrums are not because we're trying to hurt or harm their kid. Right. Um, but it may be like an extinction burst or something like that. So you what? Know, oh, sorry. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go you ahead. Know, I, I, you, know, you know what it made me think of when I was taking my courses for ABA? Um, and I know it's something, I don't see it done a lot, but I'm pretty sure like we, once like I get done to a point where I'm sitting with parents, maybe um, it was uh, the risk and benefit um, paper where you have mm-hmm. to fill out like what's the benefit of this um, procedure you're using and what's the risk to it. And I think like that once I took that course because I didn't know that that was a part of something you know being an RBT and just starting out into my ABA courses and then once I learned about it I was like that to me is would probably be a very important paper that I would like to have and to to use because that risk benefit factor of you know them knowing what you we all can you can uh identify what a tantrum is but if I'm telling the parent okay they're going to have a tantrum and these are the things they're going to do and then this could be some bad things that happen I'm letting you know that you don't know what are the risks to it a lot of times you're going into it thinking like we can't just tell them the good things that are going to come out of it you got to tell them what's bad and I think that helps them trust you too right the process of of ABA yeah, just being forthcoming and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, too, telling parents when you don't know something mm-hmm. has been beneficial for me as a BCBA. I'll tell them, like, you know what? I don't know. Let me go mm-hmm. research it. Let me reach out to a colleague. Let me find out for you. And if I can't find out, I will let you know. I still don't know. So I'm not going to right. touch this, this, or this. Lying to them isn't going to help you. Or like saying, you know, acting like you know is not going to help. No, because wow. like you said, with that risk benefit, that puts the, the client more at risk because you're doing something mm-hmm. that you don't know. And you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So now right. you have, then, then you sever, end up severing that relationship with the parent who trusts right. you. Mm-hmm. So now you've told them, oh, I can do this, knowing that you good and well can't. And now when <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work, now you sever that yeah, trust that you've built. Trust you, right? Right. Right. And then that, then you have a breakdown of communication. You have all kinds of things that happen that end up hurting a client in the long run when you could have just been honest and said, "I don't know." Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So, why do you believe it's hard for parents to be more involved in the process of ABA if they're if they're barriers? I think it varies from family to family. Um, Sometimes they're single parents. Sometimes they're 
mm-hmm. two working parents. Sometimes there's parents of multiple kids. Um, I think it kind of varies from situation, um, from household to household. I actually looked up this research article just because Nicole and I are so um, invested in creating a better, uh, a better environment for parent involvement um, that I found this research that was done in like 2015 mm-hmm. um, and it's called the parent involvement questionnaire. And um, through the research, I kind of learned that um, something that I needed to know for one, that there's not a lot of research on parent involvement in ABA. Mm. And then um, it kind of opened my eyes to seeing some things that I may not know that's going on within the family household. So in the research article, they looked at um, if parents were involved in like formal ABA, like DTT training, um, if they're involved with their kids programming, um, if they're involved with training, like conferences, attending um, events, learning more about ASD, and um, they looked at the in, the agency's involvement. So what is the involvement of the BCBA? What is the involvement of the RBT in reaching out to the parents? So I think the article was good with describing um, there's layers to this. Mm-hmm. So maybe just because a parent isn't coming in for DTT training, they could be um, generalizing the skills that they see in a therapy note in their natural involvement, Mm. I mean, in their natural life, um, or they could be speaking with the BCBA over the phone and they feel like that is enough of an involvement. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that opened my eyes as a clinician to explain in the beginning of services what parent involvement should look like for each kid. And granted, as we know, like um, the ABA I mean, well, the ASD um, spectrum is very broad. Right. So one kid may need more from formal ABA training, parent involvement. One kid may not. They may need the parent just to look at a note and generalize those skills at home. Um, But the article concluded that there was little to no formal ABA involvement from the parents that took the questionnaire. Hmm. Um, So that... It's something that I kind of see um, as a clinician. Let's say if I have um, a caseload of eight kids, I'm good to get about 50% of parent involvement with coming in to do mm-hmm. formal training. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as the article spoke on the agency's involvement, um, I think it kind of helped me to set goals of how I can do more um, on my side of things, um, to get the parents more, um, engaged or, um, the buy-in to come into the clinic and actually Mm -hmm. do formal training for those kids who need it. I think it's interesting that we, that for both of you, that Portia, you're the BCBA, Nicole, you're RBT, because we get to see from both of you guys' point of views, two different, um, kind of two different ways of looking at parent training and community involvement because Portia, you're not able to, as a BCBA, we're not able to spend as much time as we may want to with our particular clients. But as an RBT, you're there, you're in the trenches. Mm -hmm. You see 
you're, you're interacting with the parents day, well, daily or however often that you have sessions. So you get more of that, um, that in interaction, that possible involvement for, so from your point of view, what does involvement look like while you're there, while you're interacting with your child, like say in home? Um, so I don't do in home. Um, okay. I don't do, do in home. However, um, being that I do have to sit with the kids all day and then take either go get them from their parent and take them to their parent. Mm-hmm. I think um, to me, involvement with parents has, it's always been, um, and I, I guess I think from different clinics that I've worked in and also just from the perspective of going to the parent, but when you tell them things or you give them information, um, not being sure if they're going to really, you know, do what you're asking them to do at home or, or even say like, um, Hey, we're working on this with the kid. Mm-hmm. want to do this at home. A lot of times, um, I think because there is no parent involvement when it comes to like agencies, I think Portia brought that up with like agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of parents, when they don't know what, when they're not involved, when the agency's not involved to make the parent involved, then the parents think that they're just dropping the kids off. Right. Them. So as far as me giving them information at the door, like, um, hey, we worked on this, you can work on this at home. I'm not sure if they're going to take it home. I give them that information, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it. And also I think a lot of times it's very um, like a passer buyer, like I'm picking my child up, I'm out of here type of thing. So like Portia was saying, me and hers, uh, uh, um, our point with coming up with like two brown um, behavior girls and also any other businesses that we do would be parent involvement. Like how can we make the parents more involved and know what, what's what they have to do to for the for the kids right so it's just always been like when I when I pick a kid up you can ask them how oh how did they sleep how did they wake up this morning you can ask all that the parent will tell you and then that be that and then you drop them off it's like okay he did this today that today and then that's the end of that so it's like not a lot of time for the parent uh to really have a discussion with the parent and also Mm -hmm. you know whether or not they take it in um is a you really don't know. And then when I think about like places that I've worked uh-huh. and, been, and actually doing parent training, cause I've actually been where I've sat in parent training with the BCBA. Um, it's gotten to, it was to a point where I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm just a good BC, a good RBT. So the BCBA felt comfortable enough to say, you know, Hey, Nicole, try to do this, this, and this with the okay. parent today. And I could do it by myself, just me, the parent and the client. And so when I had those parents that came in and actually sat in there and watched me work with the child and I was able to kind of like say stuff to them and show them mm-hmm. those parents and, and, and that those interactions, the parents were, it still was like, it depends on, I feel like the parent, like the buy-in and actually being involved and knowing what's entailed to be involved, parents don't know. There's like such a disconnect for parents understanding their involvement. Like they don't understand what they need to be doing or even if we tell them and, and if a BCBA meets with them, if a BCBA isn't like a, like, you know, you two probably are very involved and care to be involved with the parents, but I know some BCBAs who don't. Right connection with the parents so if they don't then when I'm sitting there with the parent or I'm trying to tell a parent something 
they probably don't understand but i know i can talk to a parent that if portia's the bcba of this client i can go talk to that parent and they probably know what i'm talking about right they, they understand because they've sat with her and had um a conversation so or she's done parent meetings every week with this parent like you know it's it's just that factor so parents don't know what to expect and i think that's what makes it hard for them to get involved mm. if they don't know what to expect from aba and if they don't have a bcba that's you know helping involved, them right what they need to, yeah what what's expected of them as a parent so from the both of you it sounds like for us as clinicians that we need to make sure that it's like a trickle-down effect that the agency is requiring that um the parents become involved through some type of program or some type of requirement for services but then that from the agency then the bcba needs to follow up and make sure as well because the rbts can't do it alone so it's like a, it has to be a trickle-down effect for mm -hmm. parents to become involved and stay involved and see the importance of the involvement so what are some key steps do you think um to being or staying involved once involvement has been established um one thing that i currently enjoy using is like the ruby parent training book um because there's like about 11 or 12 lessons in that book um and it kind of keeps me on track for kids that fit the criteria for the parent training in that book um it gives them like it gives me like a mini lesson that i'm teaching each week so that's my part mm -hmm. and then it also gives the parent like a homework sheet there's videos that go with it so the parents yeah. have their part then the next week we're coming back in um we're talking about what happened over the past week the parents are bringing in their homework we're doing a new lesson so we're both we both know the expectation we both know what we're looking for and and um we both know what's expected for the weeks to come um i think developing some type of systematic parent training parent involvement because i think it goes beyond parent training right example. parent involvement um is what we're kind of missing mm -hmm. and um even though the ruby parent training book is um great that's just one part of it so um i think it's also doing applied behavior analysis with the parents right like doing some type of reinforcement um mm -hmm whether it's the agency i don't know like i guess it's just getting to know the parents and the parent and the parent pairing part um to understand like what's reinforcing to them right um it could be something as simple as social praise so um i see your kid is improving on their coloring skills thank you for working on those at home um you're doing a good job with um, implementing this procedure or that procedure um, but I think it's like getting going back to getting to know the parent then reinforcing them and letting them know they're on the right track right mm -hmm. so in so I know you don't work in home Nicole but when you see the parents um, when they come to the center how do you think RBTs can help kind of foster the that the same thing that Portia was just talking about fostering that you know, we're proud of you, reinforcing their involvement, that sort of thing. Um, definitely for me, if 
And if it was, if I ever was to encounter this uh, situation like that, where I could, <laughs> if I was able to um, encounter a situation like that, can you hear me? Okay. Um, to where I could, like, let's say I tell the parent on Monday, hey, we're working on him clapping his hands. And, you know, I show them based on the fact that they have been doing parent training, parent meetings with the DCBA. And then I tell them we're working on that. And the parent, you know, comes in the next morning to drop the kid off and says, hey, he clapped his hands twice for me yesterday evening or something like that. Um, the same thing, I think, being able to kind of encourage the parent and um, give not only give them tips on how I would do it, like how I would try to help this child clap their hands, but then once they tell me, hey, he did it yesterday, then I can uh, reinforce them as well as a parent, like, you know, great job, you know, right. um, just showing them. I, a lot of times, too, trying to take the take the kid out to the parent and showing them you know, visually so they can see it and then mm -hmm. they work on it at home. Like just, I think, especially when a kid does something that they haven't done or they've increased some, like did something today, like a highlight, giving them that right. highlight of the day. I think parents, um, some people don't know what to say to parents or don't know how That's to go true. out there and approach the parents. So to me, if as opposed to giving them the bad, I also tell them something good they did, whether it was small or not, whether they went and turn the water on themselves, wash their hands, like just telling them those things because it doesn't sound big. But then um, if I make it sound like it was incredible, right. they did, then the parent might be like, oh, she was excited about him turning the water on. Like just always, I feel like being um, pot, like giving a positive and, and I, I guess even now hearing myself say that, like giving a positive about really small things so that the parents understand the magnitude of ABA and, and, and being a, um, being a therapist and that I am working with your child. Like I love small things and I encourage small things with this child. So you can too. So I think that's just like a, a thing for the parents is like uh, for RBTs is to understand what to say to the parents. Um, not always taking bad out there. And um, I think that just comes with like passion for the right, field. Right. Right got to have passion for what you're doing with these kids and that's what makes it easier to go out to the parents and say hey he did this or she did this today um as opposed to like you know this kid probably had a two-hour tantrum and scratched you right times, <laughs> but you don't have to go, I mean, even if you go tell the parent that because i'm not opposed to telling the parent hey your child had a behavior today right you have anything good to tell the parents so that they feel good about ABA and, and, and they're encouraged to watch out for small things that the kid does as well. I think you, that you made a good point when you said that it, it's about the passion for, for the job as well, passion for what we're doing. Because mm -hmm. I think if we show that we're enthusiastic, that we see um, those small little steps that leads to bigger steps, then the parents mm -hmm. will see that, oh, okay, this is a big deal. I remember um, before becoming a an RBT. Well, it's before they called the, us RBTs back mm -hmm. then <laughs> that, you know, and before I took my stuff to be a BCBA and all that good stuff that, you know, we were told go out when you give, you know, return the kids to their parents in the clinic, go out and tell them something good. And mm -hmm. I know there were many times where I would keep a parent 
five, 10 extra minutes right. after, <laughs> after they came to get their kid. Cause I'm like, well, guess what? They did this today and they did this and they did mm-hmm. that and they did that. And oh my gosh, it was amazing. And you should have seen when they did this and the right. parents looking at me like, why are you so excited? But I'm like, no, I'm excited for your child because your child just did something amazing today. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after a while I would get reports back. Oh, guess what they did at home? Jay, mm-hmm. they did this. Jay, they did that. So mm-hmm. the parent knew I would be excited. And I mean, I'm going around squealing and having a whole conniption because I'm excited about what the parent right. is telling me. But then the parents, it gets them excited to see the growth that their their kids are making as well. And I think, like you said, having that passion for the job also helps with parent involvement because they see that you're passionate, that they see that you're you're bought you have a buy-in mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. that you're invested then a lot of times they'll become invested as well mm-hmm. so i mean how can so it makes me wonder how can we better promote uh, parental and community involvement with our parents i mean we have we said we we have passion we said we you know, try to get the parent to buy in, but what else can we do outside of, um, outside of those things that we've already discussed? What can we do besides reinforcement? Like what other skills can we use that are in our our repertoire to better help our parents and our community become more involved in the ASD community? Um, for one, I think we would need like more research to mm. start being done. Right. Um, this is a research data-driven field. So we see this as a deficit, so we need more research to be done. Um, but I think just like we put things on social media, um, just like we get out in the community to do other things, um, I think is hosting it's not all about monetary things. Um, so hosting free events in our community mm. to bring awareness to ASD or not even ASD to bring awareness to ADHD right. um, would be a good thing. Um, everyone likes something free, so that's true. It, it starts with a free giveaway of um, parent consultation or something like that in the beginning, um, some type of sale, quote unquote, um, to just kind of start the rapport and that relationship. Um, we kind of develop skills to communicate with parents through um, working in the field. So why not use um, what we know and what we're capable of doing and provide services in the beginning um, that could possibly be free. Um, An agency that Nicole and I work for, um, we did a coffee talk for parents. Oh, that's once a month, and it was free. Um, And the clinic that we worked in was an interdisciplinary setting, so Mm -hmm. it was OTPT speech. So we oftentimes had kiddos that would come for speech that may not even be on the spectrum. They may not need full ABA services, but their parents still had behaviors that they were dealing with at home. So that coffee talk allowed them the chance to come in, um, see what ABA is about. Um, Afterwards, they can ask um, the BCBA's questions. 
And that started some buy-in, like some people would even pay out of pocket for consultation. Um, so doing simple things like that that may not start with, quote unquote, receiving money um, can lead to more relationships of um, getting more parent involvement. Because I think oftentimes um, when parents are getting these diagnoses, they're just told by their developmental doctors that your kid needs ABA. Right. But they don't really know what ABA is. That's true. Um, And like with PT or speech, you know, like if the kid is having like feeding therapy, they see that their kid is eating better within a few Mm -hmm. weeks. Or if it's physical therapy, they see their physical motor um, skills improving within a few weeks as we know with ABA like sometimes it's not a few weeks right sometimes we take baby steps to get to that ultimate goal um so I think it's more awareness on our part that we have to do um through like social media platforms are really big right now right. so like with doing this podcast um that's a way that we're just bringing awareness more awareness to it so for the parents that are listening, what would you suggest that they do to kind of help them get more involved or to learn more about um, ABA? Because I know there's plenty of podcasts out there. There's plenty of resources out there and it's a lot of information, but it's hard to, when you have so much information, it's hard to figure out where your baby steps are because you're inundated with oh, ABA is this, and it, it looks like this, and DTT is this, and then NET is this, and it's a lot of information for you know, anybody. Who don't, who don't like ABA, there's people out there who exactly. don't agree with it, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. so you have those two things going on, so what can you suggest to parents that may be listening? Where should they start? What should they do? I think it starts with indirect individualization so Mm -hmm. I would tell parents to um, go get a consultation with a BCBA allow that BCBA to look at your kid and determine what ABA looks like for your kid ABA looks so different for each kid so what you may have heard from another parent um, whether it was good or bad that may not look like what it'll look like for your kid so i think it starts with just doing a consultation um with a aba provider in your area um you can log on the bacb.com website and look up bcba providers in your area Um, i think that consultation will also help you to know if that relationship is going to work with you Mm -hmm. um I listen to podcasts um, where people talk about relationships when they go see their therapist and they go through multiple therapists before they find a therapist that's perfect for them. I think it's the same thing. You need to find a BCBA that you trust with your kid, um, that you trust what they're saying um, for goals and that they allow you to have input, that they listen to you. Um, So start with the consultation and from there go with your gut feeling Mm -hmm. um go in with the open mind and um, and move from there take baby steps don't jump in and start intensive aba services tomorrow right because it is a lot from an rbt perspective 
Nicole, like what would you suggest parents do? Because, I mean, you are with the, the child more than the BCBA ever will be um, just mm-hmm. by nature of the job. Right. So for for RBTs or for, for the parents that say they're starting, they've done the consultation with the BCBA and now here comes an RBT into their home, what kind of things should they that parent be looking for in that RBT or what kind of questions should they ask? I definitely think um, asking questions, making sure that you are, um, if, you, if you're not sure about something or if, you know, if the RBT uses terminology or the RBT says something and you're not sure about it that way that's where that making sure your the relationship that you have with the um bcba so that you're able to go back and um just you know ask questions and ask the bcba what's what does this mean and what is what is she doing so just i think a lot of times and asking the rbt but i feel like it goes back to when you were saying like um the RBT has to feel comfortable saying, I don't know, but I'll get you that information based on, right. you know, let me, let me get back to you on that. Um, not only asking questions, but actually sitting and watching, mm-hmm. not just, you know, once I come in or, you know, and, and you're there just going on about your business, like maybe take some time, even if it's just the first 30 minutes you sit and watch or you pick 30 minutes throughout the session to come in and see what the RBT is doing. Um, so that you can see it for yourself. I think that's, that's just, to me, a lot of people, some people are visual learners. I'm going to say a lot of people, but some people are visual learners. So if you're able to see me do something and, you know, and it looks and see what it looks like to you, then you can go to the BCBA or, you know, you can, after I am done with the session, if you want to pull me to the side, um, and we have a conversation, but I just think like um, parents being more involved with the RBT, what the RBT is doing. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet with the BCBA. You're going to see the BCBA once a week or whenever your um, meetings are with the BCBA. But if that RBT is coming into your home or you're pick- or dropping them off at a clinic, you know, um, getting getting a chance to say to the BCBA, I think a lot of parents don't take the time to say, Hey, I want to sit in on a session because they don't, right. they probably don't know that they can sometimes. That's true. You know? That's true. So just, um, get that, that involvement and basically saying like, I need to see what this person is doing with my child. I need to, I want to sit in and watch or watch the camera or whatever. Um, so that I can see it happening and see what's getting done. So just being more involved in that way by, trying to uh visually see what the rbt because because the rbt is going to be sitting with the child so it's not like you know i'm going to have just me and me and the parent session right you know talk to the parents so that's a big thing for rbts i think the parents sitting and actually watching what we're doing i think the agents should make it known that it's okay to come in and say hey i want to see i want to watch because like you said not many parents know i don't think they think they know that they can you know Right. And I think it's for parents that are in home, it might be, it's easier because you're in somebody's house. (laughs) So it's easier to kind of peek in and watch and see what's going on. Um, But even in that case, I would tell parents to still ask questions, sit and look and really pay attention to what the RBT and the BCBA, which I didn't explain none of those acronyms, just in case parents are listening. A BCBA, (laughs) let me backtrack, is a board certified behavior analyst. And an RBT is a registered behavior technician. 
Um, and these are the individuals that work directly with your child. The BCBA writes the plan and the RBT is the one who implements. That's the best and quickest way to explain it. Um, but even like I said, in home, it's easier for parents to kind of be more involved, but they shouldn't feel, which I've seen, they feel that they can't sit in. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, you're here for my kid. Let me get out of your way. And I'm like, no, yeah. we're in your home. Let me get out of your way. <laughs> Let me show you what it is that we're doing so that when we're not here, then you can implement the same types of, of procedures that we're implementing. Because I try to explain to parents that it makes no sense if your kiddo will only do X, Y, and Z for me, but won't do it for you. That means that, that means I'm not doing my job as a behavior analyst. I'm not doing my job to make sure that this this behavior is generalizing to the home or generalizing right. to other people. So no, sit in and watch, sit in and ask questions. You're not bothering, you know, as a parent, you're not bothering us. You're not getting on our nerves. You're not in, interrupting anything. Just ask. We're, that's what we're here for. That's what we're trained to do is to show you so that your kiddo can do what, what it is that we're trying to get them to do as well. Mm -hmm. um, ladies, do you have any other suggestions or tips, tricks, anything that other BCBAs can use or RBTs can use or other parents can use to, to help with involvement and community involvement? I, I think, um, and I know Portia was saying, it's not a lot of research out and um, things like that. However, you know, um, the world is going to like, just like this field has increased with the knowledge, we're still growing and learning ourselves mm -hmm. in the field. Um, so I think like once we start getting parents and once you parents start getting more involved and start wanting to know more, um, I think there's a lack of wanting to know more in the field just, and, and that's just, I guess I've only worked in Georgia, but I feel like a lot of parents, um, there's a, a daycare aspect where I'm dropping my kid off and I'm picking them up. And I mean, in, in typical kids, we drop them off at school, they come home. So it's, it's not like a not norm thing, but I think, um, you know, Google is at everybody's um, hand. Right. Um, resources are at everybody's hand to people. We, people are resource. So asking your BCBA, the first question can be, what is ABA? What does ABA stand for? Um, what are different ways to apply ABA? Because um, I think when you were saying like, we're in the parents' homes, mm -hmm. and I think of like DTT, me teaching you to tag the a color, but how can we show the parents and um, I guess tell the parents now that showing that color on a card how can you implement that into your natural environment, your right. everyday life? And I think that will help with buy-in and, and understand the ABA as well because, you know, we think teach kids how to do math and teach kids how to read, but these things are what we're teaching them in the community how to be, you know, uh, the, the, neuro, the neurotypical versus the typical. How, if, if I show you the color blue, and I, and I show you a cup of water or I tell you this, like, how can you use what I'm teaching you just at this table mm -hmm. into your home? Um, you want him to know what a refrigerator is or how to open the refrigerator, how to get his own milk and pour it. Like all those things that we can be showing you and not just sitting at a table 
right. and doing X, Y, and Z. Also, when they're having a behavior, um, what we do as far as um, procedures that we run for, you know, reinforcement and punishment for behaviors, it's like, how can we show that this is a natural environment in the community? Um, this is that, that's what this is. It's not just sitting at a table. So I think that's a key thing for parents is like, just asking what this is, because that's right. just, where, I think that's where that disconnect is. It's like, we don't know what it is. We don't know if, if I say ABA and you feel like this is an ABA clinic, I drop my kid off, they do this and then they bring them back to me at the door. Like you, their child's been here for six hours and they probably had three tantrums and I can tell you why and I can right. tell you what I did and I can tell you what the, the, the end result was. And if it happens to you in the home, then you want to know exactly what to do. So that's a big thing too. Right. Um, I just have two short tips for RBTs and DCBAs. Um, be a part of the change. Mm -hmm. um, um, whether that's, putting more resources out um, into the community or being a part of some type of research study. Um, I say just get involved. And for parents, I say do research on what. Okay, and for the parents, I would say um, my first tip is research what ABA is. Um, and then I would say start with a consultation with a DCBA in your area. Um, if you don't feel comfortable after going to one consultation, go to a second one, right. go to a third one. Um, and develop a relationship with your DCBA and let them lead and guide you, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So, ladies, you can be found again. Everybody go to Instagram and look for two brown behavior girls. They'll have Facebook soon. I'm sure they will. So, we're going to yes. speak it to existence. <laughs> yes, let's speak it into existence. <laughs> uh, is there another way that you can be reached or just through Instagram? Um, you can reach us on our um, Gmail. Our email is um, two behavior brown girls. I mean, two brown behavior girls, sorry, at gmail.com. Excellent. You can always find us at lifewithbehavioranalysis.com or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Life with ABA. So we thank you guys for listening to this podcast today. We'll see you next time. Quote of the episode comes from Jane D. Hull, former governor of Arizona. At the end of the day, the most overwhelming key to a child's success is the positive involvement of parents. Know that you really do make the biggest impact in your child's life. Thank you for listening to the Live with Behavior Analysis podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share also make sure you check out our website for more content see you next time bye